we're living at a time when human rights abuses are selectively defended, where the media gets to choose which groups matter and which don't, where individuals feel social pressure to defend one minority group but villainize the other. This hypocrisy fueled by mainstream and social media is what motivates so many of us to do independent work to expose the truth, correct the narrative, and inform our readers and followers about the reality outside of what we're influenced and pressured to think and believe. For over three years now, hate crimes have been on the rise in the U.S. The majority of those attacks are anti-Semitic attacks committed against Jewish communities. And guess where they happen the most? In places like New York, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles, cities that pride themselves on the best schools and universities, centers of life, work, and commerce, and yet they've become cities filled with hate and targeted attacks against Jews. The irony isn't lost on us that as society claims to become more tolerant and awake, it's shut its eyes to protecting the most vulnerable, creating more division and more racism, more sexism, more anti-Semitism and animosity, resent and violent attacks. Thankfully, there are those like Noah Tishby who use their platforms and positions to speak out independently and courageously, even when there are risks of cancellation. Welcome back to the Foreign Desk Podcast. I'm Lisa Deftari, and without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest for today, Noah Tishby, Israeli actress, producer, writer, activist. She got her start in the Israeli entertainment industry as a teenager, soon becoming a household name in Israel. She made history with the sale of In Treatment to HBO, which was the first Israeli television show to become an American series, and it received 14 Emmy and Golden Globe nominations. And alongside her success in Hollywood, Noah has been a powerful voice in Israel and Jewish advocacy. She has advocated on behalf of Israel and against BDS and anti-Semitism at the UN General Assembly, the mainstream media, and of course, she is a token defender of Israel on social media. Noah recently released her first book, Israel, A Simple Guide to the Most Misunderstood Country on Earth, and it's considered a must-read by leaders across the political spectrum and has topped the Amazon bestseller list. Welcome to the show, Noah. Thank you so much. Great to be here, Lisa. Congratulations on all your success. Well-deserved, of course. Uh, I'm sure you didn't see this coming, right? When uh, you're an actress kind of working your way up in, uh, obviously, Israel and then Hollywood. Uh, I know you're no stranger to anti-Semitism and basically the rules of the industry, right? To keep your pro-Israel and uh, on this show, we don't differentiate between pro-Israel and anti and and, and against anti-Semitism because I think they're the same, and we don't differentiate. We don't we don't allow those in- differentiations to distract us from you know the Jew hatred that is at the core uh, of of these targeted attacks. But um, it's interesting, right? I think a lot of people look at you, your career, your abilities, obviously as an actress, producer, writer, and then wonder, you know, what motivated you to first start speaking out about these very touchy and sensitive subjects? Well, um, the short answer is I couldn't sit by. I couldn't shut up. So it was more, it wasn't so much um, what motivated me. It was, it was, I just couldn't not actually answer. So what had happened is I started my career in Israel at a very young age, and then I moved to the States to pursue my career in entertainment. And basically, since I started showing up in America, I realized the severe misunderstanding that people have 
about the state of Israel. And it was the, one of the first encounters that I had was with this young Hollywood actress that became, was successful even back then and became a whole lot more successful now. And she asked me very kind of innocently at the time. She said, oh, you're from Israel. How does your family feel about you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, you know, that you're modern and don't wear all the head stuff, right? So she literally, she, well, she just thought Israel's Afghanistan. And I didn't look at her at the time as like an idiot. I didn't say, oh my God, you're such an idiot. I actually look at her and looked at her and I'm like, this is a well-educated, successful person. If that's what she thinks about Israel, what is the rest of America thinking about mm -hmm. Israel? Mm -hmm. And I found myself in the position to constantly explain to people basic um, realities, basic facts about the history of Israel and the borders and why it's there and the indigenous land of the Jewish people and all sorts of stuff that as an Israeli, I kind of took for granted and I thought everybody knew, but then I realized that people don't. And I just, it was even, a, it was like a little stronger than me. I just had to do it in the process. I obviously talked to a lot of liberals and progressives because I'm in, in Hollywood. So this is the majority of the people I hang out with. And I'm like, wow, there's a real, real misunderstanding going on on that side of the aisle and I should do something about it. And I had a lot of people ask me if there's like a book that they can, they can read something. I can, can you recommend a book? And I knew that they are not going to read the, the plethora of extraordinary material that has been written, written about the region, because a lot of it is very heavy, very serious. And unless you're a political buff, you wouldn't necessarily be interested in it. And I'm like, there's no um, book that explains Israel in a way that's easy to understand. That's fun and funny, and relatable and I'm like, and modern. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to write that. So, okay. yeah. 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 You know, what, 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 what you mean sounds, sounds more, you know, innocent, innocent right? right? It sounds, sounds like, like, um, you know, people just don't know, right? So you you created the 101 on Israel and you wanted to inform people on that. But the attacks were seen, you know, at cemetery and at school, the vandalizing, you know, the attacks on religious Jews in Brooklyn, the attacks, you know, um, in Los Angeles at a synagogue. Is that based on this misinformation or these misunderstandings? Or is no, this that's, based on, that's based on anti-Semitism. That's based on Jew hatred. <laughs> Let's yeah. get no, that friend uh, at the time was very naive and very innocently asked the question, um, what has been going on in the past 20 years or so that's been a, an actual political campaign that's been waged against Israel and it's targeting Israel and trying to delegitimize Israel and the standing in the world as a Jewish state, period, end of story. And what we see now as the kind of pop culture perception of Israel is originated in that. So you know, when somebody spray paints a swastika at the school, there's no other way to explain this other than you're anti-Semitic and you're, you know, you're, you're clearly crazy. That needs to be weeded out as well. But the way that, look, anti-Semitism has always been around. Okay. It's the oldest form of discrimination and hate, which is still acceptable and still being practiced today. It's as old as the Jews. Right. So I don't expect it to go away, but what has been happening, which is very dangerous is the delegitimization of Israel as a state is not a danger for Jewish people and it's not a danger for Israelis. It's a national security. It's a United Nations, it's a it's the United States national security problem and Western civilization problem. So the safety and security of Israel is not something that the Jews should be concerned about. This is something that Western people should be concerned about. If you're interested in any democratic value that we hold dear, you should be defending Israel. Absolutely. Um, I think there's there's a lot of um, 
courage that goes into what you've done. And I only say that because anyone else, I mean, if you're, you know, from Canada or you're from even Iran, I'll tell, my career actually started similarly to yours. You know, I, I went to school. I was born in the United States from to Iranian parents. And I felt like there was such a misunderstanding of, of Iranians, modern Iranians, that obviously the government doesn't doesn't really portray the people of Iran. So I started writing papers. And in eighth grade, I remember I wrote, uh, you know, my, my longest term paper that I had written up to date was just explaining the Iranian people. And this grew into obviously my career and explaining things in the Middle East in, in more detail. Yeah. But it didn't cost me friends. It didn't cost me my career. It didn't cost me death threats at the time. Now they, they do. <laughs> but, you know, in your case, here you are just trying to correct the record, correct the narrative. And it seems like there is obviously societal backlash. There is a fear of cancellation. There is that fear. I mean, recently you said it in an interview, which I loved. I posted this on, on throughout my social media platforms, uh, that if you lose, you know, acting jobs for your support of Israel, well, then you don't. You, you obviously don't care about that. You're you're willing to uh, risk or put on the line if you have to. Have there been such incidents? And you know, how do you feel about this potential? You know, this living with this fear of cancellation. I don't. I, I personally don't. And I'll tell you why. Not because I don't think it's real, because it's it's real. But <clears throat> I have been um, in this field of, of uh, advocacy in, for over a decade. So I got my first death threats like over a decade ago. Wow. Um, and at first I went to the police. Like I literally took my Twitter, my phone, and I was like, I went to the police. They, they, they say they know where I live. They're coming oh for me. And the police was like, okay, like you can't, obviously back then. So I, this is something that I've, been, I've dealt with for years. Um, we laugh at it. The activists mm -hmm. group of us like kind of like laugh at it. It's called, it's called surfing the web while Jewish, right? It's, I love it. It just goes with the territory, right? So, but the thing about cancellation, and I have a lot of friends who lost friends. I lost friends, right? But I didn't lose work because everybody that's ever worked with me always knew that this is my position. So if I did lose work, I don't know about it because it's not like I was a, a public persona with zero political affiliation or right. opinions. And all of a sudden it came out like this was my thing and has been my thing in my field of work and expertise for a very, very long time. Um, the thing about cancellation is this, it's definitely real, but they can't cancel you if you don't shut up. Hmm. True. So getting canceled is a, uh, it's a mutual dance, right? right. So a lot of people, um, and look, I'm not, I'm not discrediting or discounting losing your job and livelihood and like all of that, all of that is very real. But if you have a strong conviction, if your facts, the facts are on your side, and if you want to be able to continue educating your community, whether mm -hmm. it's like literally your friends and people in your neighborhood or on a wider scale, just don't stop. Yeah, I think that's really the, the best advice you can give people is that once you speak out, I mean, there's a hump, right? Once you get over that hump, you can even experience more more growth because you're being your genuine voice. Regardless, if they don't like your opinion, at least you'll be respected for, for being genuine and not backing down from your position. Yeah. But to that and end, I, I, say, I say this all the time. You're like, have you lost friends? I'm like, yeah, I actually lost friends, but I gained a lot more valuable people. Valuable right? friends. Yeah, right. people who, who 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 not may, they may agree with you, but at least they're there because they respect you and what you're doing, um, which is absolutely tremendous. So, but, you know, we've taken a crazy turn in this country it used to be that both sides are pro-Israel. Right. So we had the, the support of, of Congress. You wouldn't have women like the squad speaking out about Congress and, and protecting or defending Hamas. This is it's, it's absurd where we where we've come. But to that end, um, 
being that that it's no longer a bipartisan position, do you feel that um, with the political environment becoming more polarized that you have to pick a side? And obviously the, the pro-Israel side is the more conservative side and more prone to that cancellation and more prone to marginalization, especially in Hollywood. So I actually think that we need to be very careful when we're painting the entire Democratic Party as anti-Israel. It's actually not true. So the, the problem is that it's the small group of women and men, right? Very small group, but they're very loud and popular and they don't get reprimanded, right? right. So they don't get reprimanded. So they, they don't get punished for saying the things that sh they should get punished for by, by cons and sanctioned by Congress, right? But the majority of the Democratic Party is still supporting Israel. Like I, there was the Iron Dome debate, and mm -hmm. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but basically Ed Deutsch and Steny Hoyer like stood on the floor and were like they 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 Deutsch ripped a new a hole to a certain Congress person, right? So this is it's not. The problem with them is that they're not numbered and they definitely do not represent the Democratic Party as a whole. The problem with them is that they're very popular. They're popular. So they get invited to the Met Gala, right? That's that's the problem with them. But here, the issue, Noah, is also that they are influ for their, and you're absolutely right, they're new. They shouldn't have the influence that they have. They get, you know, a lot of media coverage, which they should not yes. see. But they're also yeah. moving the political needle. And I don't want to get into, into the minutia of foreign policy, but... You know, right now, for example, I'll give you the smallest example. Is it's not a small example, but it's it's yeah. a quick example. There's nothing that, small yeah, about the region. Yeah, nothing small about the region, right? We're at the negotiating table, right, to with the Iranian regime to cut out another Iran nuclear deal. Meanwhile, Israel in the background is like, wait, wait a minute, well, hold on, we have these concerns. It doesn't look good. This rift doesn't look good. And historically, we've never been so um, publicly. Uh, you know, having this distance with Israel. And I know behind the scenes, there's still a lot of collaboration between, between the United States and Israel. Both need each other and both rely on each other as much as people want to say we shouldn't give aid to Israel and all that garbage. We need them just as much as they need us. Um, you know, how is it that this, how has this rift translated into the increase or the, um, the freedom that people have to be so anti-Israel or anti-Semitic? I'm not entirely sure how to answer this question, but I do know uh, for certain that if there's anybody at the negotiation table with Iran on the American side which believes the Iranian regime, they should like get off the negotiation table. So it's very clear that the Iranian regime is buying time in order to actually run for a bomb. There is no question that maximum pressure needs to be put on that regime and that you can't believe a word they say, period, end of story. Right. And the Israelis know this. So I there's a there's a sense with uh, the U.S. right now that they kind of don't want the headache. And that's to me a mistake. Right. They need to like if there's a if there's a if there's a nuclear arm race in the Middle East, this is a danger for the entire world and for, you know, again, for Western society. So this is something to take very, very carefully. I am not privy to the back channel conversations between the United States administration and the American administration and the Israeli administration. But um, I would certainly hope that nobody on the American side is actually taking what the Iranian regime is saying at face value. Yeah, let's hope, right? Um, I want to talk a little bit about your book. Obviously, um, it's it's interesting, right? For somebody who is, you know, pursuing acting and producing and, and really excelling at it to stop and write a regional book like this. Um, what but it really isn't. 
a real so explain yeah um so he, so here's the thing it's it, for me it's always been about storytelling right it's always been about i've been in entertainment industry i've been i've started out as an actor a singer a producer i used to do pr i was modeling i was i was like i did i did everything that has to do um writing of course like co creating content and selling content tv content i've i ran companies that that produced and developed um, content. So it's always been about storytelling. Everything that had to do with Israel was always my passion and my specialty and my expertise. But when I actually wrote the book proposal and then I got the book deal and then I sat down to write the book, it was one of those moments um, that it just, it became very clear to me, Lisa, that it was like, oh, that's okay. That's what I, that's yeah, of course, that's what I meant to be doing. <laughs> of course. So it, it became very clear that everything that I've been through from like the beginning of my career, which was at a very young age to now led me to this. Wow. So, and it was one of those things where people didn't know me heard that I I'm writing the book. They were like, what? That's so weird. How did she, why is she writing a book about Israel? Like a history book about Israel and with Simon and Schuster, which is like, it's a major publication, right? It's not like, Absolutely. Oh, I'm just going to put out this pamphlet. Right. Um, people who didn't know me were very surprised. And literally everybody that knew me was like, oh, of course, that's great. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. I love it. I right? absolutely love it. You know, it's, always um, been, it's always been what I do. It really brings together all your different talents. And, yeah. and and anyone who has the book raves about it. So I encourage you all to, to pick it up. So many, after I, I posted that, well, I'm having you on the show. So many people messaged me and said, I just got her book for a Hanukkah gift. So um, oh. I think it's it's a it's a popular holiday gift. That's um, great. Giving people the, the, the gift of knowledge and education is, is, is beautiful. And especially when it's coming from, you know, it, it, like you said, in a storytelling, way it's not daunting um but you know it's a it's a harmless history book i swear it's like a fun <laughs> history book it's not for nerds it's really it's a fun history i love it um you you named the book very curiously um what's most misunderstood the most misunderstood country on earth why why misunderstood and what are those misunderstandings Ah, where, how long do we have? Um, so f first of all, the title of the book is Israel, a simple guide to the most misunderstood country on earth. And it's obviously a hyperbole, right? So Israel's not the most misunderstood country on earth because none of us know anything about like Denmark or like, you know, Bali, right? So that's number one. But the thing about it is that there is a, like there's a discrepancy between like the amount of the, how little people know about Israel and like how many opinions they have about right. it. So it's not that it's the most misunderstood country on earth, it's, but it's the country that's the most misunderstood, yet everybody has an opinion about it. So when if you sit at a dinner table and somebody asks you, what do you think about the Ministry of Foreign blah, blah, blah in France, you'd be like, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But if anybody asked this about Israel, people are like, oh, let me tell you. Right. Yes. So that's that's why I named the book. I gave it that name. Have you come across? Let me cut you. Sorry, because I, I think this is fascinating. Why? I mean, what? What? I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, have you come across the answer? <laughs> I don't actually know. But that's the thing. I, I started noticing this as when I moved to the States. I'm like, you are all obsessing over a country the size of New Jersey on the other side of the world. 
why just let us be like the you know again nobody's obsessing over iceland that much or over any other country and over other countries that have like actual human rights abuses right. and actual human rights violations and actually you do need to pick it against and have right. boycott movements against exactly you know I once, I once interviewed someone to uh to, to come on to our team to do social media and one of the first things he said he said i've been following you for a long time but i have to tell you i'm not pro-israel I said, okay, are you pro-Venezuela? Are you pro-North Korea? Are you pro-China? On the other side, are you pro-Denmark? Are you pro-Belgium? You know, it's it's interesting how people have, have a statement to say, like, you know, to your point about whether or not they stand for or against Israel, as if that in and of itself is a, is, is, is a posture that represents or is symbolic of other things. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm, I'm guessing he didn't have an opinion about Denmark, did he? Zero about, or, or about Israel. He couldn't go further than I am not pro-Israel. Right. Oh, so he didn't actually know why, but it's just no. because it's hip. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's an emotion. Exactly. And I did talk, I do talk about this in the book. The problem is that people carry subconscious biases around Jews and around this and around that, right? They don't notice that they do. We all carry subconscious biases about the other, right? But then when people hear the worst you know, the worst about Israel, often not true, they kind of go, oh yeah, that makes sense. And they just go the, shape their opinion about Israel based on feelings, not on facts. Right. So give us, give us some of the top misunderstandings. There are so many. I, I mean, the, look, we can, Israel is an ethnic cleansing state. It's a genocide state. It's an apartheid state. All of these can be diffused by, you know, facts, actual facts. But I think when one you of talk the most- about, do you, do you, do you delineate each one of these in your book? Yes, absolutely. Okay, perfect. Absolutely. This is, and I want to, I want to, I stop for a moment here because I, I get a lot of this and I'm sorry that I, I had you on so quickly. I actually ran into Noah and I wanted her on, on the show so badly that I have not gotten a chance to read your book and I apologize for that, but I, I will order it and I, I will, I think it's going to be one of, of my, my top recommendations, but there are many people who write into our show or, or on social media asking, how can I get these bullet points? How can I get the talking points? Oh, they're, this no. is the book you need. This is the book you need. And not only is the book written in a fun way that's easy to understand, at the end there's an appendix with literally bullet points. Amazing. Like Amazing. actual bullet points. People can rip the last three pages, just carry them with them. So they're like, no, actually that's not how it went down. So <laughs> Let tell you let's go back to your, your question of like, what is the, the, you know, what are some of the misunderstandings? So, you know, as I said before, like the genocide, the ethnic cleansing, all that, all that is just lies, right? But one of the biggest things that people don't understand is the origin. Mm -hmm. So like, what is Israel about? How did it become what it is? Um, why is it there? And like the indigenousness of the Jewish people to the land. So basic, basic stuff that people just don't, they just don't know. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's if you don't, if you don't, if you don't do your research, if you don't know how Israel came to be and how it's a, a refugee state for the Jewish people that been persecuted for, you know, 2000 years, like if you don't actually know that and you don't acknowledge that the Jewish people are indigenous to the land of right. Judea, like that, that's where the Jews came from, um, then it's, it's going to be a challenge to have a discussion. What has been, uh, I know you're you're so, so loved on social media, um, and I'm sure you're also hated on social media, but I well, let's talk about those who, who love you very much and are 
um, really grateful for the advocacy you do, the the fact that you're using your platform and fame to really um, you know bring about awareness, like you said, not just in your book but in your daily posts, uh, and and what you at this point what you symbolize as a brand, as a personality. Um, what have you gotten any feedback from from Israel or Israelis? What's what's the the message coming from the homeland? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, they're they're very they're very uh, they're great. They've been great. They're very appreciative and um, and uh, supportive of what I do. Yeah, that's it's wonderful. Um, and then if we want to kind of move over to the, the the haters, a lot of what's going on is because of social media, right? Big tech yeah. not really um, stopping this or even trying to curb the hatred that we see on, on social media. I know you've used your platform to talk to members of Congress about not just um, social media, but about BDS and, and other items, but particularly about curbing um, big tech. Do you think, you know, you use social media, so do I, we post our opinions, right? We post our content. I mean, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Is there, I mean, just playing devil's advocate, you think there is a way uh, to get rid of this hatred on social media by using legislation and going to them, whereas they can turn around and say, this is First Amendment um, rights and everyone can say whatever they want on social media. This is such a big question. Uh, the short answer is no. Social media is not the uh, city square. You don't stand there and talk to your friends and neighbors. You talk to billions and billions of people and an exponentially growing technology that is also involving bots and AI. So we have long gone from this is, we don't even know. I mean, when I get attacked on social media, it's often bots. So we get you, you don't even know who's writing these po posts. It can be like actual artificial intelligence. So obviously it needs to be curbed. The problem is that we, and this is not an Israeli problem, obviously, this is a worldwide problem. Like we have been hacked so badly by social media already that we are a biology of humans. We're a biological essence that have been hacked by godlike technology. So I, the answer is yes. How? I don't know. But there are very smart voices and thinkers out there that are actually working on ethical online use and, and, and uh, ethical, ethical engagement. This is something that I believe is going to be a major problem in our world. This is like way bigger than Israel, Palestine, US, China. This is going to be one of the biggest problems because we're being attacked, and this is now America, right? Mm -hmm. We're being attacked by our adversaries using our own rifts mm -hmm. by bots and trolls and right. we're, we're being, we're being polar polarized. Um, I think I, I heard on a, a, a stat that out of 15 most popular Christian sites, 15 of them are operated by bots. <laughs> They're like the, the infiltration of Russia and China into our social fabric through social mm -hmm. media is so severe Congress, I don't think, is nowhere near understanding this. None of us, none of us are. Right. So, yes, it needs to be curtailed, but how? I don't know, but quickly. Well, thank you for using your platform to even bring attention to that. I think a lot of people, um, they, they tr we trust, right? Because we, we've signed up for Facebook, we've signed up for Twitter, we've signed up for Instagram. That's where we see a lot of, of engagement and we see... We should definitely not trust it. Right. And we should know who's posting what, and we should know that a lot of these, a lot of these posts are text generated by AI. Mm -hmm. Like you, we don't, you don't actually know who you're talking to. No, no. 
Um, and, and it's interesting. I mean, um, you've, yeah. you've talked about uh, so many. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> God bless you. I love it coming. <laughs> bless you. Ah, well, there you go. Oh, good. I was hoping you'd recover after that one. God bless you. Um, one year, five year, 10 years down the line, what are in the cards for Noah Tishby? Where do you oh, see yourself and where wow. are you taking this platform? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Is there a second book maybe? There's going to be, yeah, there are going to be more books and there's going to be, there's, there's a lot that's being planned, but I'm not, I'm not sure. We'll see. How about I'm, not willing, I'm not willing to commit um, publicly because I've done this before and like yeah. none, of, none of the things that I thought are gonna, were going to happen happened and like a lot of things that I had no idea that are going to happen did uh -huh. and they're extraordinary. So I'm like, I don't know. Okay. Blina there as you say in Hebrew. Blina. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Um, well, we wish you luck in everything that you do. Um, I, I actually want to end off with this one question because I think a lot of people look up to you and, and, and for good reason. You're a wonderful, wonderful role model for young women, for advocates of Israel, for activists of all kind. Um, and you really represent that, you know, fearless leader who has used her voice and her genuine passion and desire to talk about something that's close to your heart and um, really fearless uh, in, in terms of the, the repercussions of all of that. And I think um, people look up to you to, to be a guide and, and to be someone who leads the way on advocacy in general. What's your advice for people who want to use their platform, no matter how big or small, uh, to be an advocate, whether it's for Israel or any other cause? Um, I have two advices, two two uh, little kind of nuggets. Uh, number one is uh, don't engage with social media trolls. <laughs> so even if you're an advocate, do not, don't get into Twitter wars. It's useless. It's useless. You're, you're probably talking to a bot, and even if you are, it's just anxiety-inducing, right? And it's not going to get you anywhere. Should they right? block the bots? Do you block them? Um, I don't block anybody. From bots to, you know, I don't, I also don't delete comments. I'm like, you want to fight on my feed? Great. Go for it. Like, I don't, you know. Sure. So, so first of all, don't engage in that. Do not waste mm -hmm. your energy on that. But do reach out to your community. So reach out to your colleague, your neighbor, your your friends, your college roommate, whoever it is that you communicate with. If you see them doing something, saying something that's wrong, reach out. So that to me is is the most powerful advocacy, community-based. Wonderful. I think that's smart advice. And it's somewhere you can start, no, again, no matter how big or small your platform exactly. is. You no, have a no, no effort is, is small. None. Okay. And um, I encourage everyone to pick up her book. I think it's, uh, do you have a, a copy handy? You can show us the cover. There it is. Beautiful cover. A Simple Guide to the Most Misunderstood Country on Earth. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, and I'm sure anywhere, also everywhere you buy your books. Anywhere you buy your books, just like our podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts. Exactly. Right? Um, thank you so much for coming on now. We wish Thanks you so all the in the world. Me. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your bravery and continued success to you. And to the rest of you who'd like to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube, go to youtube.com slash Lisa Daftari. And to subscribe for our daily top 10 email, go to foreigndesknews.com. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.